Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Today we're talking with Father Peter Vasco, President of the Franciscan Foundation for the Holy Land. Franciscan Father Peter Vasco entered the Franciscan custody of the Holy Land in 1981 after a 10-year career in marketing and public relations. He served as the English Definitor for the Custody of the Holy Land under four administrations for a period of 13 years, as well as on the Franciscan Custody Board of Directors, representing the six countries in the Middle East that it governs. He also served on both the Custody's Finance and Sanctuary Pilgrimage Committees. He's actively involved in the international diplomatic community in Jerusalem, and he, there he's the liaison and guide for the White House through the U.S. Embassy, as well as with the municipality of Jerusalem. He also serves as chaplain for the Marine Security Guard for the U.S. Consulate in Jerusalem. Currently, Father Peter is the president of the Franciscan Foundation for the Holy Land, a position he's held for more than 25 years. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to to talk to the listeners of uh, the Catholics in Baltimore. (laughs) Well, first off, let's talk about the Holy Land. What do you mean by the Holy Land? What area are you talking about? we're talking the the, the specific uh, country that we're basically talking about is where Jesus was born, uh, which is called the Cradle of Christianity, and that is Israel. Okay, uh, of course, uh, it was back in 132 was known as Palestine. That's how the name originally got uh, its origin. But uh, we are basically working in the Holy Land, specifically in Israel and the West Bank. Uh, yes, there's, of course, Lebanon, uh, there's Syria and Jordan where there are Christian problems there, but our concern is basically with the ongoing exodus of the Christians in the Holy Land. So most of our, most of our, our, our uh, programs deal with the, uh, the young Christians in, in, uh, in, in Israel slash Palestine. Mm-hmm. Why are the Franciscans as an order so committed to the Holy Land and to this ministry? both as custodians and with the foundation. Well, you know, when, when uh, St. Francis of Assisi, our founder, uh, founded the order, he came to the Holy Land to see those holy sites which Christ made holy. He made three attempts, 1218, 1219, and 1220, and he arrived in 1220. Uh, and unfortunately at that time, uh, Jerusalem was under interdict. And so what happened was, Francis, being an obedient son of the church, decided to go up to Akko, which is the coastal road in present-day Israel. And there he went to Dalmietta uh, to meet the Sultan el-Kamel. Obviously, the, the, crusader, the crusaders who were with him thought he was crazy. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's an enemy. Why are you doing such a drastic, uh, irresponsible act of trying to speak to the, the, <laughs> the Sultan? But uh, France was unwavering. He was. He didn't waver at all. He said, "No, I'm a man of peace. I want to see what we could, we could, we could have. We can start or develop a, a sense of peace." And well, through through miracles, he passed all of the uh, Islamic uh, Islamic gods. Uh, they saw him as a raggedy old man, so they let him through. 
and uh, he met the Sultan al Kamel, and they had, uh, a, f through the Chronicles, a very good conversation. He was so impressed because uh, Francis was not afraid to come and, and talk with the so-called enemy. Uh, and he was so impressed in Francis with his simplicity and his, his sense of uh, trying to create peace. Uh, he called them the friars of the court. And we had a very special relationship, uh, and not a combative one as they, he would have had with the Crusaders, but with the Franciscans. And he came back to, he came back, uh, to the Crusader camp and uh, when the Crusaders were finally, obviously, finished in 1296, uh, he, uh, he, he allowed the Franciscan friars to stay in the, in the Holy Land, in, in, in what at that time was really, it was, <laughs> it was an Arabic state. And so Francis's followers came after him, and we eventually, in 1333, we were promulgated uh, by Urban II, uh, to be the official custodians of the holy place. That's 1492. Uh, and since that time, from 1220, we've been in the Holy Land. Our first house was in 1333 uh, at the Seneca Room, the Last Supper Room. Then we got into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Bethlehem, etc. And we've been there ever since. So our mission is to bring the, the, the mission is to bring the gospel of Christ to the, the to the to the inhabitants of the Holy Land, both Muslims and and fellow Christians, we have over a hundred martyrs over the eight hundred year presence uh, that we've been there, uh, who have died for the for the faith. Uh, so we're very proud of the fact that a hundred martyrs, Franciscan friars, were eventually over the centuries killed for their faith in Christ Jesus. So we continue on to be mediators. We continue on to bring peace to people. And we are, we are very open to the challenges that are facing the church today, especially uh, in the Christians in Israel slash Palestine. And so that is what our, our work is entailing, to make sure there's always a Christian presence in the Holy Land. I've heard it often referred to the, the Christians who are living there in the Holy Land as the living stones. We know that there are the buildings, physical buildings, that are there that are the sites of, of the events in Christ's life. Yeah. What do you mean when you talk about the living stones? Well, if you remember, um, uh, the, the St. Anthony, of course, was a hermit in the 300s. Uh, Christianity was flourishing even in, 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 the, in the Holy Land as, as, we, as we speak. Uh, but the, the problem of being uh, uh, living stones, uh, these are the guardians of Christianity. Uh, if we did not have any Christians in the Holy Land, uh, where is our witness? Okay, mm -hmm. so obviously we saw it with the friars. There were a few Christians, and we ministered to them. And those are the those are the living stones, not the stones that uh, you know that are sort of dead and don't have any significance. But they're living stones because they're maintaining the Christian presence in the Holy Land. They're maintaining their guardians of the holy sites of Christism. So that's a living, ongoing situation. It's, it's a worshiping community. And the concern is we're afraid one day that uh, we may not have these Christians, these living stones, because many of them are leaving. So what we're trying to do is maintain that, that Christian presence of living stones, that there will always be a living, worshiping community in the very place where Christ ministered, where he was born, uh, where he died, uh, and where he resurrected. So that's when we say the living zones, they are the living zones, the people themselves. You said many of them are leaving. Why? 
They're leaving because of, of political and economic situations. Economically speaking, the average Palestinian salary is probably between, I'm talking about Christians, about four to $7,000 a year. Uh, the average Israeli salary is between twenty-five dollars and $28,000 a year. It's quite, uh, quite a disparity. Exactly. Uh, unemployment rate among the Palestinians in general, 5% of them Christians, are 65%. Unemployment rates uh, for the Israelis is only 7%, okay? So from an economic standpoint, uh, for example, the money that's being given in foreign aid to, to, uh, to Israel uh, and, to, and to the Palestinian Authority, none of that money ever trickles down to the Christians. It either goes to people of the Jewish faith or goes to the people of the Muslim faith. So the Christians are caught in the middle from an economic standpoint. The other thing is the political situation, which is, of course, the wall, the separation barrier, which has affected uh, 325,000 uh, people. Uh, and what, is that, what has happened with that wall is that uh, it has cut off, people, cut off access to where Christians were working in Haifa, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. Now they don't have a job, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're saying, you know, what, what this wall is, uh, is, is a hindrance. Uh, a half, uh, there was 46,000 acres of property that was confiscated by, uh, annexed by the Israeli government with no legal redress. These Christians had, had, had deeds, proper deeds. They weren't recognized. So when your land is taken away, okay, uh, and you have the, the constant discrimination that, that happens from time to time, both in Israel and in the, in the, in the Palestine with the, with the Palestinian Muslims, they're having a very difficult, they're very difficult and they're facing difficult situations. It's, it's an incredible situation for them to be in when I, I know that there have been times when a fence has been built and a landowner can see his olive trees but can't get, can't to get them. over there. So and the thing is, most, most uh, Israelis, a good number of Israelis, look upon Christians and the IDF, the Israelis, look upon Christians as what? As Arab first, Palestinian second, and then could be a possible enemy. Whereas the Palestinian Muslims, especially the Hamas, look upon Christians as pro-West and traitors to the Islamic cause. So they're caught in the middle again. Again, And this is why they're getting frustrated and and are looking for places to go. Uh, So this is what what is is happening there. That's an amazing uh, story there. Uh, After the break, we're going to talk some more with Franciscan Father Peter Vasco about the situation for Christians in the Holy Land and what people in the U.S. can do to help them. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. There's no place like home. Terry Archibald realized that in 1993 when she visited Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Bainesville to arrange her father's funeral and also noticed that the parish school had an opening. A, quote, divine intervention, end quote, was the way Archibald described returning as a teacher to the school which she and six of her seven siblings had attended. Her father had also been a devoted usher at the church since it was established. It has always felt like a community and a family here, always, said Archibald, who has taught for the Baltimore Archdiocese for nearly four decades. 
Read more at catholicreview.org or in our June print edition, which is out now. To go far from home, we look at a story out of Rwanda, scene of the horrific 1994 genocide in which one million were killed. Melanie Lidman of Catholic News Service reports. The Benabakira Sisters, the oldest indigenous congregation in Rwanda, have sisters who are teachers, nurses, pharmacists, formators, and administrators. But they also have religious with a unique title, Sister Listeners. The genocide created many problems. Some people don't want to live because of what happened, said Sister Marie Venanti Nayira Baganwa, superior of the southern province of the Benabakira Sisters. Sister Nayira Baganwa goes on to note that those who killed, quote, have their own problems, and those who lost people due to the genocide have their own problems. She continues, especially mothers who lost all of their children and husbands, or the young ones who lost all of the members of their family. Many people just need someone to listen, Sister Nayira Baganwa said. Read more about the Listening Sisters at CatholicReview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back on Catholic Baltimore and we're talking with Franciscan Father Peter Basco, president of the Franciscan Foundation for the Holy Land. What is the mission of the Franciscan Foundation for the Holy Land? And how is this different from the responsibilities of the Clistos? The, the Franciscans who serve to receive the pilgrims and take care of the shrines there? Well, the custody of the Holy Land was promulgated in 1342, as I said earlier. And uh, we have faced many, many, many crises during that time frame, the 800-year presence. And what has happened in the last year, last century and a half, has been an ongoing exodus of our young Christians leaving the Holy Land. And it's getting so bad that most church officials are saying, uh, Christian, Christian hierarchy, that if nothing is done to stem this Christian exodus, then within 60 years, Christianity could, could disappear from the very place where Christ founded the church. And again, we won't have any wor a worshiping living community. And so in our tradition of, of ministering to the people of God uh, and to others, we decided to take up that challenge back in 19, uh, 1996 uh, to, uh, to hold these seminars uh, with Christians, young Christians, families, with clergy, about why they're leaving uh, and, and what are the solutions. And most of the young people who were in uh, last year of high school were saying, you know, if we had a college education, 
or vocational education, you know, we could we could get a salary. Uh, we we would have a uh, we have we would have the proper motivation and incentives to stay in the Holy Land, and so that became our 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 focal point, uh, education. Okay, mm-hmm. both from a college from a higher educational standpoint in college, and also for vocational schools or training schools in the country. Uh, we have about thirteen programs, but the educational program. Is the, is is the most popular and and, and the most successful, uh, and so what we do is we offer to any Christian uh, in the, in the Holy Land in Israel or Palestine any Christian uh, who have a who have a B average in high school, but are economically marginalized, meaning that they obviously can afford tuition, we will give them a full free uh, college education in the country. Okay. So right now we have over 400 students. Uh, well, now uh, half of them are in college. The other half uh, have graduated. And all of our graduates, uh, 85% of them secure professional jobs uh, in, 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 in Israel and in Palestine. So, for example, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, over, I think there was like 48 accountants. We have three physicians. We have uh, 25, uh, uh, 25 engineers. We have business people. We have educators. And these were the kids who were going to leave, but securing a, 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 a professional employment, they are now staying. The other 15% are the, are the girls who decide after their BA they want to get married. But only one out of the 400 has left the Holy Land and gone over to Canada. Everybody I, else is there. And I imagine that makes a big difference if they stay because the more who leave makes it much more difficult for those who stay because it's such a small community. Is that right? That's right. And, and obviously you're trying, we're trying to build up the Christian community. This is, the, this is the, the, the future community of Christians that we're dealing with. These are the young men and women who are going to be the leaders in the church community. And so when you have a professional employment, when you have... Uh, uh, vocational trade schools of kids becoming plumbers, electricians, uh, carpenters, uh, mechanics. Each in each side, they're all able to make some money and able to ha- earn a living. Before they were sitting back home, they had no money, they had the academic acumen, but they weren't able to, to, to pay the tuition. So that's where the foundation comes in and saying, we will give you a free college education if you have those two criterias, be average and economically marginalized. And we have, uh, uh, we have it's five professors in the United States who we send every year these maybe 50 or 60 applications, and they ought to pick maybe uh, a certain number, maybe 50 out of the 60, and they send them back, and then we announce their, the, uh, that they've been, they've been received, they're receiving a, a free college scholarships, and we have meetings with them, and they're going to college, and it's uh, you know it's something that you think, of, and it's for any. We have Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Anglicans, Lutherans, Roman Catholics, uh, and Roman Catholics really are the bulk of it. About maybe eighty percent would be uh, the, mm-hmm. we, through our schools. We always announce it through our schools, and to see the smile on these people, especially do- young doctors, physicians, who are allowed to go to Jordan for medical school, which we pay. Uh, it's, it's just outstanding. And we have a lot of sponsors 
Catholic sponsors who want to sponsor a, a young man or woman, Christian young man through college, you know, it's only costing the best school $6,000 a year. Oh, my God. For four years, you're talking $24,000, when most of the good people who are listening to this to this interview know that you're paying fifty dollars to $80,000 a year for your children's mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And people jump at this chance yeah. of, 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 of saying, I want to get involved with, I want to preserve Christianity. And so those sponsors receive the, uh, all of their information, a beautiful frame photo of the student. And, and like we're preparing now for this fall uh, to uh, prepare about uh, 50 students, new students to receive a college education free of charge. That's incredible. I mean, considering that, that mo- most Catholic schools in the U.S., High schools cost fifteen thousand dollars, or you know, eleven to seventeen thousand dollars exactly. for one year. You're talking being able to educate Six, somebody for twenty-four thousand dollars for all four, four years. years of yeah. So if anybody out there is interested, let us know. Let us know that. That's let great. Us, let us well, know. Well, at the end, we'll we'll have you tell us your website or how to get in touch okay. with you. But the the one question that I would have is, you know, I've only been out, been to the Holy Land once, and I know a lot of our listeners probably haven't had that opportunity at all. Do you have to be able to go to the Holy Land to really be able to help out there, the Christians there? I, I'm a guide, and I've been a guide now for the last um, uh, 30 years. And I have found that the people, the pilgrims who come to the Holy Land, when they have an opportunity to speak to the young Christian Palestinians, they they hear their story, and it's like a, it's a, like a, a town dialogue, and guess what? They get immersed with it, and they say, I want to help that young man or woman. Mm. I want to give them an opportunity. Uh, if you have never been to the Holy Land, we all know about the difficulties facing the Holy Land, but I think you're more apt, if you can come on pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to actually see for yourself not only the holy sites of Christism and be touched spiritually, but also to meet the local Christians who have been, for centuries, been maintaining the Christian presence. And I think from that standpoint, uh, I think it's a plus factor coming on pilgrimage. Certainly. I, I know that when I went there, just to be in the places where Jesus was, to see the, the people there, helped break open the scriptures in a way that, that is just impossible to do without that. But at the same time, we did get a chance to meet some of the Christians who were who were living and working there and uh, and were able to hear their struggles. And it made a big difference to be able to, to connect to that, to know that it's not just something we read on the news, but it's something exactly. you understand who's living exactly. it. Exactly. People who are living no, no, it. That's so true. So we've got about a minute left. If you tell our listeners how they can help, is there a website they can go to? Yes. Or... Uh, we, have, uh, we have a website called www.ffhl.org. Uh, and with there, we, we have uh, uh, with all the information all, on all the various programs, especially the educational programs. And I would urge people, if there's an opportunity you hear of a pilgrim to come, come to the Holy Land, I would actually, I would really try to do that. I would pray about it. And let me tell you, it's very safe. You would probably be, you probably have a higher rate of, of criminality in, in Baltimore than you would have in Jerusalem. People tend to get very afraid, and people are mm-hmm. fighting. Nobody's fighting anywhere. It's 150 miles away. Okay. And the fact is, if we don't have a sense of who we are as Christians, we don't have a sense of our religious roots and heritage, then how can we call ourselves Christians? This is where our Lord uh, preached. This is where he lived. This is where he died. This is where he resurrected. Those are the mainstays of our faith, and I would encourage people to please come to the Holy Land on pilgrimage and see for themselves. 
Great. Thank you very much. We've been talking about the situation for Christians in the Holy Land with Franciscan Father Peter Vasco, president of the Franciscan Foundation for the Holy Land, and you can visit them on the web at ffhl.org. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. God bless. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.